Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by CP for Wednesday, December 23rd. I'm Caroline Gonzalez, and on today's show, we have Minnesota Vikings reporter from ESPN, Courtney Cronin. Courtney, first of all, how are you doing today? I'm good. We're in the middle of a blizzard up here, so I'm sure it's far warmer where the Vikings are headed tomorrow uh, in anticipation for the Christmas Day game. It is a whiteout currently. Are you really? I've never been a part of anything other than maybe like three inches of snow. So like, what is the procedure for that? Do you have to like stay indoors all day? You definitely don't want to be on the roads. That's for sure. I think we're under like a 24 hour winter storm morning. So it's kind of the hunker down, stay in your house, uh, mindset which I mean most of us have had for for all of 2020 or at least for the most part so nothing too different from that but I mean at least it it looks pretty I'm looking out my window and uh it's coming down pretty heavy so it's at least we get a white Christmas right like that's that's what people want at this time of year it's you know makes you feel like you're in the in the festive spirit so at least we have that oh my goodness quarantine on top of a blizzard I can't even imagine (laughs) um Courtney did you see that video uh it went viral I guess um maybe a few weeks ago this news reporter was like oh I you know I've been seeing this snow pile I'm gonna go and jump in and she was expecting it to be like fluffy snow and for her body to fall through and she like jumped on it while she was doing a live shot and she it was just rock hard snow oh I believe it uh, I couldn't believe it. That would be me in snow. Um, so Courtney, obviously Saint or Vikings coming to town to take on the Saints. You you cover the Vikings for ESPN. I, I have to ask, just, Justin Jefferson is from uh, New Orleans. He went to LSU. Have you attempted the gritty in the privacy of your own home? <laughs> I, I haven't. Um, I don't want to embarrass myself, even though there's not an audience. But I mean, he he's it's really kind of cool, actually, seeing how the rest of the NFL caught on with this and I know that there are other people who are from New Orleans who know about the dance um so it's not I obviously Jefferson didn't create it but I mean he was I mean the song was created by somebody else you know so he caught on to that at LSU and he is the reason he was the catalyst in my opinion for for why it became such a phenomenon and it's, it's great seeing people across the NFL do the dance. I mean, because now you can spot it and be like, that was a good gritty. That was a bad gritty. Um, I mean, even his teammate, Adam Thielen's Mm -hmm. done it a few times and it's kind of just like this fun thing that the two of them, uh, you know, laugh about and do together on the sideline. I mean, Justin is perfect at it because I mean, he's, you know, the reason it's popular. So I love it. I think it's great. It's nice to see something that a lot of people enjoy uh, doing after they score touchdowns. Yeah, well, that makes one of us on the call that hasn't tried the gritty in the privacy of their own home. Um, so speaking of Jeff, Justin Jefferson, he made his first Pro Bowl this year for the Vikings as a rookie. Incredible accolade to receive. What has made him stand out so much on this Vikings team? think it's a lot a lot of it has to do with the opportunity um he wasn't somebody that fell behind in the depth in the depth chart early on I mean in training camp we thought just because there was no OTAs there was no time in the offseason for him to get his feet under him that it would take a couple weeks maybe even a couple months of the season before he got into this role where he was starting opposite Adam Thielen but you know I think the Vikings learned very early on that they didn't have to have training wheels on him. Mike Zimmer told us the other day that, you know, there was a point at training camp during a practice where he told Gary Kubiak, like, he's not like the rest of, you know, every, he doesn't look like everybody else. And that's a good thing because 
they've clearly needed him. Um, and to be able to trade Stefan Diggs away, hedging that you're going to probably draft his replacement, but not knowing at that time that his replacement would be the best rookie receiver um, in this class. You know, he's breaking records that have been around for 22 years. With uh, He already broke Randy Moss's reception record as a rookie. He's 132 yards away from topping his receiving record. Um, that's that's hitting it big. That's a home run in, in a player like Justin Jefferson, who I remember as, as early as week eight, Matt LaFleur was saying that uh, he's number one receiver. And Pete Carroll, you know, a couple weeks before that was paying him some pretty hefty compliments, which for a 21-year-old, somebody who hasn't even been through a full season is really impressive. But I think it just goes to show you just how NFL ready he was. He was in a pro-style offense at LSU. He was probably more prepared for this given what his route tree was and what he came in with than others uh, who play the position and have to make that jump from college to year one in the pros. Yeah, Sean Payton on the Wednesday morning conference call kept giving him praise, said he had fantastic hands, and obviously we've seen um, him skyrocket through his rookie season. Not only he made the Pro Bowl for the Vikings, Dalvin Cook, um, you know, this weekend, Saints versus Vikings, they're the, the top rushing offense versus the top rushing defense. How has Dalvin Cook been able to establish himself so much in their rushing offense? Because, you know, when you talk about Alvin Kamara, you can say many things. He's shifty, he can miss tackles, he has great balance what sets Dalvin Cook apart you know I think it's a lot of it's his field vision um he's a very patient runner um that's that's kind of always been his mo that if you give him a crease he can hit a home run for you um and that's shown up throughout every season he's played even the games even the seasons that he was limited to just a couple games because of injury but you really saw it take off in 2020 and you know, I think part of that too is the opportunity. He's getting a lot of touches. He's getting a lot of run, which good and bad in terms of now in the long term. I mean, he is this offense and they are very adamant that they're a run first team, even with a player like Justin Jefferson and someone like Adam Thielen and all the tight ends, like they are very like particular about how they want to win games with the rushing offense, eating up a lot of clock, making drives very long, calculated, methodical. And that's all behind Dalvin Cook. So um, I, I think a lot of it is being able to stay healthy this year. That's the big question after he got paid, can he make it through a full 16 games? And so far he's made it through 13 because he had to miss week six with a groin injury, but that's better than he's done in the past. So it's very evident that this team is built around its running back. And that's going to be the way that things are, um, going forward with Mike Zimmer, here for another three years with the extension after the 2020 season and Dalvin Cook has shown this season that he can handle the workload. Courtney it's no secret that the Vikings have been kind of the kryptonite for the Saints mm -hmm. the past few seasons. Um, it seems like just a thorn in their side but when you talk when you take a look at the defense how much has the departure of Everson Griffin affected the pass rush pass rush for the Vikings? It's huge I mean that's one thing that I think they're going to want to eye in the draft being very cognizant about how they find pieces to replace what they need on the defensive line because you know the fact is unique Ngakwe who hasn't been here since he was traded week seven during their bye week is potentially going to finish as the as the team's leader in sacks and he hasn't been here for since October um when he was traded in ES5 look I mean there's there's just not a lot of production in terms of the pass rush it's kind of been non-existent and having 
you know, the wherewithal to be able to spend some high draft capital, potentially on an edge rusher. They certainly need to address the interior of their defensive line at the three technique spot. That's going to be really important. Um, the good news is Michael Pierce, who opted out their nose tackle, you know, assuming everything's going according to plan, he'll be back next year, which would be good. And then they've got to figure out what they're going to do with Daniil Hunter coming off of the neck injury that cost him this season. He didn't play a single snap, but that's a big deal. So, um, they lost five starters from last year's defense, two on the defensive line, three at cornerback. And those are the positions that have hurt the most this year, but you will have noticed by the time it's all said and done, this, this unit has made some marked improvement. Um, it's marginal because it's just, it's not stuff that you can take away every single week and be like, wow, this looks like the defensive old, but you know, they came a long way from where they were in training camp and, and, you know, trying to be this cohesive unit that we just didn't know if it was going to pan out or not. And, you know, went through a lot of ups and downs and they're still standing 14 weeks in, in spite of the injuries. Absolutely still standing. And, you know, you reported um, last week, I believe it was that now with a loss to the bears, they have a 4% chance of making the playoffs. What is the mood around the team right now? Cause it really just seems like the Vikings have nothing to lose and everything to gain in this game against the saints. Yeah. I mean, it's, you won't have anybody telling you like, well, season's over. There's nothing to play for. I mean, 4% is still, still something, um, you know, it's, it's a very small window and I don't know. Um, there's a lot of scenarios that are completely out of their control, having to do with Arizona needing to lose a couple games. The bears need to lose one of their final two. They don't control their destiny, which I think puts you in a really bad spot because even if you do win these final two games, you still have to rely on other teams to help you get in. So that's really tough, I think, uh, just in, in terms of how they clawed back from a one and five start to how they started out after the bye and then losing a couple games that they probably shouldn't have into the position that they're in now. So I think there's still a tiny bit of hope. Um, you're never going to get players to be like, yeah, we're going to mail it in the final two weeks of the season. But, you know, with that said, I would be cognizant to keep an eye on like, how much are they going to run Dalvin cook these final two games, knowing that it's probably it's, it's very much a stretch to get into the playoffs, but it's probably not realistic to think, okay, even if we give him 30 to 32, 33 touches a game with it, like the next two games against the saints and, and the lions, it's probably not worth it. Um, so I'd keep an eye on those types of things, but you know, the future I think is pretty bright for this team. They learned a lot of lessons this year, which was always going to be a step back year for them in 2020. Courtney, personally for you, what is this Christmas day game going to look like for you? Are you just going to be inside your house trying to survive a blizzard? Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's weird that it's on a Friday. Christmas doesn't feel like it's on a Friday this year, but it should be a great time. Um, you know, I, I'm glad that, you know, my Thursday game, which I guess this is technically the Thursday, Thursday broadcast crew being on Fox and it's going to be on Friday night. Like it's, you know, I wish I was in New Orleans. I was really looking forward to that when the schedule came out, but I also had a feeling that we wouldn't be traveling this year, just given we didn't know the nature in May of what this pandemic would look like and how it would affect the season. But it is cool that, you know, there is one game on Christmas and, you know, the, the NFL is competing with the NBA in that respect. And I think that's a nice thing to see. Yeah, who knew we were still going to be doing Zooms on uh, exactly. Christmas Day. My goodness, I am ready to be done with Zoom. Well, Courtney, we appreciate your time. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, again, Courtney Cronin from Minnesota Vikings covering, or from ESPN covering the Minnesota Vikings. I appreciate you, Courtney. No problem. Thanks for having me.
Okay, thanks to Courtney Cronin for providing some insight on the Minnesota Vikings. Like I said, the kryptonite for the Saints, but not this week, not on Christmas Day. Um, but the second part of this podcast, Saints fans, is we're, we are going to be flipping tables, Real Housewives of Hollywood style, because there were a few names missing from the Pro Bowl roster for the Saints. Now, let me go ahead and say congratulations Huge congratulations to Cam Jordan, Andrus Pete, Marshawn Lattimore, Alvin Kamara, and Teron Armstead. Huge, huge, huge accolades for those five players of the New Orleans Saints. They deserve it, and we are happy to see them on the Pro Bowl roster representing the Saints. But there were a few names missing, and I think you know who I'm talking about, Saints fans. Linebacker Demario Davis. So far this season, he has 106 t- tackles, four sacks, four pass deflections, 10 tackles for a loss. And that's not enough to make a Pro Bowl roster? Oh my goodness. I can't believe it. I'm flipping tables all over my house. And defensive end Trey Hendrickson, 12 and a half sacks, tied for the NFL lead in 24 quarterback hits. I'm not really sure what's going on. Maybe they aren't big enough household names, but we need to continue to make them household names because they have elevated the Saints team to the next level this year. They have been two names that we have said continuously who have made an impact for the Saints defense. So I am just sitting at home shaking my head because those two names definitely deserve to make the 2021 Pro Bowl. You can also make the argument for right tackle Ryan Ramchek. He played in 100, 100% of the snaps in 11 of 14 games. You could also make the argument argument for C.J. Garner-Johnson, so um, I'm just shaking my head, you know, again, congratulations to those five players on the Saints who made the Pro Bowl, but uh, Demario Davis, Trey Hendrickson, whew, my goodness, uh, we will have to keep an eye out on that all-pro uh, roster that will be coming out in the beginning of January, uh, it is reported that that will come out at the beginning of January, uh, so we'll have to keep an eye on that, I have a feeling that might mean a little bit more to Davis and Hendrickson and to the other players on this roster, but Man, I I know it means a lot to make the Pro Bowl, so I'm still shaking my head, but uh, we'll definitely keep an eye on that. All right, Saints fans, that will do it for the Wednesday edition of the New Orleans Saints podcast, but I have some good news. On Thursday, Christmas Eve, we will have a very special edition of the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. We have two interviews. The first interview is going to be between Dr. John Amos and John Dornboss. Dr. John Amos was a longtime physician or is a longtime physician with the New Orleans Saints. John Dornboss, a long snapper who came to the Saints from the Eagles. He was diagnosed with a heart condition by Dr. Amos and he ultimately ended up saving his life. So we'll tell that story on the Christmas Eve edition of this podcast. We'll also tell the story of Ted Jackson and Jackie Wallace, how Ted Jackson, a longtime photojournalist for the Times-Picayune, stumbled across Jackie Wallace, who was a New Orleans native and two-time Super Bowl participant um, under the bridge in downtown New Orleans. So you don't want to miss those two interviews, feel-good stories to get you in the holiday spirit ahead of the Saints Christmas Day game inside the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. All right, for Courtney Cronin, I'm Caroline Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening to the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by CEO.